Hello, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Wonderful Women of Golf. I'm Rick Wolfel. Georgia Klingerman left college planning to be a physical therapist, but like so many before her, she became enamored with the idea of working outdoors. Today, Klingerman is the assistant superintendent at Jennings Mill Country Club in Watkinsville, Georgia, outside of Athens, where, as part of a crew of just eight, she plays a major role in the club's day-to-day -day operations. Georgia shares her story with us on this edition of Wonderful Women of Golf. Georgia, welcome to Wonderful Women of Golf. We thank you for taking the time to join us. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Where I'd like to start from is how you decided or how you got into the turf industry. You had a degree in kinesiology. You completed all the requirements for that and were studying to become a physical therapist. That's a noble profession. If the PTs I've worked with in the last several months are listening to this, I thank you both. Uh, but what was it? that made you decide I want to go in a different direction. That's not always an easy thing to do when you've completed your four-year degree and are theoretically getting started in the career. Right. Yeah. So um, I was doing my internship in uh, physical therapy, and I just constantly kept catching myself sitting in the office, just staring out the windows, wanting to be outside. I'd rather be outside than be inside trapped up all day. I worked part-time at a golf course during my summer breaks from college and my winter breaks from college and never, never hated that. I absolutely loved every second of it. And you just couldn't get me away from the golf course. Let's talk about that experience at the Oaks golf course, which was a public facility. Uh, your job description was equipment operator, but what was it that you were doing on a day-to-day -day basis and what was it about the whole experience of working on a golf course that what your appetite for more right so i would go in every morning typically mow greens um and then i would get put on a brush blade or a weed eater in the afternoon and um just something about cleaning up lake banks and and making the golf course look better and edging small detailed stuff and just the small detailed made made me hungry for more um, my superintendent there was pretty great. Um, he always encouraged me to go out and keep keep going, keep going, keep going. Um, he mentioned to do the uh, UGA Turfgrass Management Certificate Program after he found out that I wasn't happy with PT. And uh, he basically put me on the track to broaden my education and throw some turf in there as well. Did you have experience playing golf growing up? You were quite a softball player. You played at the D2 level in college. I actually did not. I don't think I picked up a golf club for the first time until after I had graduated college. So what was it that just made the whole experience? You know, you mentioned being outside, but what about the whole experience of being around golf just kind of hooked you? Honestly, you see the pictures of the golf courses that have the striped fairways and the line, the stripes on the greens and the stripes in the rough. And I knew on a softball field that was possible too, but it was a much broader experience on the golf course. Much more things could be striped up and designed. And 
the, the looks were, were better on a golf course than on a softball field, potentially. So how did you end up at uh, Jennings Mill, which is a private facility for the benefit of our audience located a few miles from Athens, Georgia? So the superintendent that was at the Oaks course, John Fields, um, he had moved up here and taken the job up here as superintendent. A couple months went by, which I was in school for PT in Athens, and I needed something else locally part-time contacted him. He brought me on part-time and eventually made me full-time. And then I just moved up through the roles here and became his assistant as well. How big is the staff where you are now? So we have we have five full-time and three part-time right now. Including yourself and the superintendent or not counting the two of you? Including myself and the superintendent, yes. That's not a very large staff, even by today's standards when people are having trouble filling their roster of people. The upside to that, if you are advancing in the profession, is you get to do a lot of everything, correct? Correct. So what goes into your job description day to day? I'm thinking every day is a little bit different, but what would be listed on your job description? So really, I just get get here in the morning, um, get the guys rolling, get them out on the golf course, starting to accomplish some stuff in the morning. And then I'll jump on a golf cart and I'll go cut cups or I'll jump on the sprayer and spray some greens or spray some fairways. Afternoons, I'll work side by side with the guys cleaning up trees, just doing small detailed stuff. So just about anything around here, irrigation fixes, drainage projects, just all of it. You mentioned working side by side, and I have spoken with superintendents about this and have read on various sites online and elsewhere, other superintendents commenting on the subject, the importance of being willing to do what you're asking your crew to do as the shortcut for getting your hands dirty as opposed to sitting in an office all day and doing paperwork. And there's a lot more paperwork and regulatory things that have to be done now, but just how important is it for the crew to see you doing the same things that you're asking them to do? Right. I think it makes it easier for them to want to get out there and go go accomplish stuff during the day and, and get to work if you're working with them. So they don't think you're sitting in the office all day just twiddling your thumbs. They, they want to see you working out, out with them as well. And I think uh, they they will respect you more if you're out there busting your tail right alongside of them as well. Is there any particular area that you quote unquote specialize in when you're outside working or are you pretty much, um, as the saying goes, a Jill of all trades? <laughs> I would say a Jill of all trades, honestly. <laughs> With a short staff, you almost have to be. How long is your golf, golf season there? Are you open uh, year round? Yes, sir. We are open year-round. And with the warm weather in that part of the country, uh, I would assume you have a pretty high volume of play through the entire year. When is yeah. your peak uh, season? Probably the the May, June, July. A lot of the older guys don't like playing in the cold, but probably the May, June, July area. But you still stay reasonably busy through the uh, winter months. Yeah, while you've been there, you've completed your requirements for a turf grass certificate from the University of Georgia. You finished that in, in February. 
how were you able to balance that as far as taking care of your job responsibilities, which were substantial, and still taking care of what you had to do in the classroom as well? Right. Um, that course is self-paced, so it wasn't as bad as you would think it would be. Kind of just go home, study the material. You would take a midterm test, and then if you pass that, you'd move on and study the next half of the material, and then you would have to go on and take a final examination. And once you pass that, you are certified. How satisfying was that for you to get through that program and take another step forward in your career? It felt pretty good. I felt like it would make my resume stand out a little bit more, um, having a little bit of turf turf sprinkled in there just a little bit. Um, been toying with the idea of going back for a little bit more, but not 100% sure yet. While you've been at Jennings Mill, you've had the chance to work a couple of professional events, both at your club and elsewhere. How has that enhanced your career development by seeing what a course looks like in peak tournament condition and also what the players are expecting as far as tournament conditions go. Right. So I realized that that is a lot of work that go into tournaments. The uh, form tour that we hosted here uh, the week before advance week, we actually had a downburst hit and it probably knocked over close to a hundred trees that we had to scramble and clean up before advance week. So we have three other sister courses and we had to bring some of their staff in to help us get that all cleaned up so we could take care of what we needed to for advance week. I worked the Mitsubishi Electric Classic at TPC Sugarloaf. Um, realized how much work went into that as well. So a lot of people needed to come in and help take care of that as well. That brings us to our next topic, uh, the 2022 uh, Women's Open at Pine Needles. And that I know meant a lot to you for a whole bunch of reasons. First of all, the experience of being around a substantial number of women in the field, and as we have talked so often during this series, there aren't that many of them, and the the opportunities for women to get together are probably more frequent now than they were a couple of years ago, but there's not an overwhelming number of them. So what was it like for you, particularly just getting into the business, to be around these women some of whom are just getting into the business. Some of them have made careers out of it just to be in that environment for a week. Uh, working the U.S. Women's Open was very eye-opening. Going into the golf world as itself, I thought I was one of one for the longest time. Um, I was actually riding up number 10 fairway when Kimberly Guard contacted me. I saw it was a random number, and I don't normally answer those, but for some reason I answered this one. And she offered for me to come up and work the U.S. Women's Open. And I thought it was a scam at first. So I checked in with my superintendent. And he, we, we double-checked it and fact-checked it. And it, it was really Kimberly Guard calling me. And uh, I called her back immediately and was like, I'm 110% in. My superintendent was behind me 110% on that. He wanted me to go. He wanted me to experience it. Um, when I got there and I walked in the room and saw – 30 other women with the same interests that I do doing the same thing that I do. It was, it was awesome to see that you, it, it's hard to go out and see that in a daily basis on a golf course. You are not the first person to tell me that, but one of the first who is at your stage in their career where they're just finding out what this career can do for them and what the turf industry can do for them. 
the impact from what people have told me is really pretty substantial, just seeing all these people who have the same ambition and the same passion that you do, and then being able to be around them for a week, formerly working together on the golf course, but also in informal situations. It's um, a combination seminar, a self-help group might be a stretch, perhaps not, but just a networking opportunity that is very influential, very powerful, and, and what have you. Right. Uh, what about your day-to-day -day responsibilities during uh, the Women's Open? What all were you involved with? Um, during the morning time, I would go in and mow um, fairways. So I would mow 18 and then one through nine. And then come in, we'd eat breakfast, go back to the, the little lodge and kind of hang out, go to some some learning opportunities. And then the morning we would come, or in the afternoon, we would come back and the beginning of the week, I was picking up um, the nets off of the tee boxes and around some of the approaches. And then later in the week, I was picking up these giant pine cones that Pine Needles has. <laughs> I've heard about those. They, <laughs> they seem to multiply during the course of a week. Oh, yeah. They're the size of a football. <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, the reaction, seeing the reaction of the players to what the golf course looked like and all of you to what the golf course looked like, because I've heard about this from some of your peers and also from the group that was at the Olympic club last year. It's one thing to see the golf course on television, or it's one thing to see the golf course sitting in a press room somewhere, but to actually see it in person is a whole different experience. And then in your case to understand the work that it took or all that was involved to get it to look like that, your perspective is going to be different than everybody else's. Right. Yeah. We would come in and in the afternoons and they would have the, the golf channel on, on the TVs in the tent. And I mean, the TV just didn't do the course justice. You'd go back out in the afternoon with the sunset and then you just had to stop on the mower and just take it all in. It, I mean, breathtaking views out in out at pine needles in the afternoons in the mornings just the golf course looked 10 times better in person than they ever will on tv what strikes me all about all that is having spoken with the folks at pine needles ahead of time how much they were looking forward to having you there now their staff was a little bit shorthanded for various reasons going in but i know that everybody there was really looking forward to having all of you there. Uh, they respected what you were doing and uh, let all of you take the lead as far as what things got done when. Right. Um, so we kind of came in. Uh, you could just see the sigh of relief that, that the guys at Pine Needles had once we all got there and they realized, oh, these, these girls actually know what they're doing. You know, we don't have to, we don't have to worry about somebody messing something up or um, by the end of the week, David Frickty, which is the superintendent over there, uh, he was just telling people to follow the girls because because we had it down. We 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 had the course under control. <laughs> How satisfying is that? And I'm thinking by, say, Saturday night, Sunday morning, when not all your work is done, but a lot of it is done. And what is reflected on TV is the result of that work. But to know that everything came together and you're seeing a women's national championship decided and that everything 
came together the way it was supposed to. Yeah, there's there's really not any words to describe that feeling, honestly. It's just one of those weight lifted off of your shoulders and I'm I'm really doing this. This is really happening type of moments. As far as looking back on this after you got back to your club and we're back into your normal routine, what's the most satisfying part of that whole women's open experience? I'm gonna make a two-part question out of this. First for what you were able to accomplish, you and your peers were able to accomplish on the golf course. Yeah, so we we got in and got out every morning. Um, we accomplished stuff on the turf as well as on social media. Um, I'm sure people all over saw us making the impact on Twitter, making the impact on on all of the social media platforms about the U.S. Women's Open turf team. They and, most uh, certainly did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the networking opportunities. What were some of the insights you were able to pick up from your peers that maybe you wouldn't see even in a structured classroom seminar type of setting that you were able to learn just sitting around having a meal together or watching golf together? Right. So um, Shalia, who is part of the GCSAA, she was very helpful in uh, telling us bits and pieces about the GCSAA and what we can do and what we can't do. It was also pretty nice just being able to sit around and build relationships with other women in the same industry as me, knowing that I can reach out and call somebody up if I've got a problem or I've got to text somebody and they can help me real quick. And it's kind of, I got your back, you got mine type of thing. Have those networking opportunities continued since uh, the women's open? And that's been a while now. So you've still been able to reach out to people and Yes. Um, we probably get about three or four messages a day on our U.S. Women's Turf Team WhatsApp group. Um, just people checking in on each other. Hey, how's everybody doing? Uh, congratulations to, for example, Kayla Kipp on completing her certified turf equipment manager program that she was doing. And just everybody's reaching out and just checking on everybody. And it's, it's, it's awesome to have that. And it's awesome to just keep seeing that happen. The profession has had difficulty finding people to bring into the industry over the last several years, both male and female. What are some of the things that people should think about, uh, about the opportunities that are there if you want to work in the turf industry that maybe they haven't thought about or nobody brought to their attention? Right. Um, I didn't know about the turf industry until I was in college and needed a summer job and realized, oh, well, I can go work at a golf course. So I think we need to put ourselves out there a little bit more, maybe go to some FFA and, and some 4-H clubs and, you know, just let people know, hey, this is a profession and like anybody can do it. It's not it's not just for men and it's not just for women. I mean, anybody can get out there and put themselves out there and and excel in this profession. The other part of it, too, it is a profession with some unique challenges, some unique demands, most of them related to the hours that are involved. And that's something I think people need to be aware of. But I'm thinking also now that people within the industry are being more cognizant of that, that you maybe don't get the best out of everybody if they're working 70 or 80 hours a week. And this gets back to 
physical health, mental health, and that kind of thing. So it's, while there are demands, I think people are being more cognizant of striking a balance between your work life and the rest of your life being coming together the right way. Right. I believe there is a work-life balance. Um, you need to get in and get out and take care of what you need to take care of, but you need to take care of yourself as well. Um, if you feel yourself starting to get down a little bit, you might need to step back and take a break for a couple of days and just let, let your staff know what's going on. And that if they respect you enough, they'll, they'll handle your low ends and they'll, they'll pick you back up and get you back where you need to be. Just don't be afraid to reach out and just take a break if the break is needed. Knowing what you know now, what suggestions would you have for somebody who is, say, 14, 15, 16, high school age, and maybe thinking about this as a profession? I would definitely tell them to get out there and at least try it. You know, I was the scared 14, 15, 16-year-old at one point, too, and, and I just had to step out of the comfort zone and be the only female in the room at seminars and be the only female working in the shop. And you just got to get out there and do it. You're not going to realize you like it until you actually try it. All right, Georgia, we really thank you for spending some time with us. Uh, it has been a pleasure. We wish you well, and we thank you for what you and your peers are doing for the game and for each other in a pretty demanding profession. Thanks very much. Thank you. Georgia Klingerman joining us on this edition of Wonderful Women of Golf. My name is Rick Wolfel. We invite you to join us next time. And thank you, as always, for joining us today.